Part 4 of This Simian World. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Epistomolus. This Simian World by Clarence Day, Jr. Part 4. 9. Imagine a prehistoric prophet observing these beings, and forecasting what kind of civilizations their descendants would build. Anyone could have foreseen certain parts of the Simian's history, could have guessed that their curiosity would unlock for them, one by one, nature's doors, and, idly, bestow on them stray bits of valuable knowledge, could have pictured them spreading inquiringly all over the globe, stumbling on their inventions, and idly passing on and forgetting them. To have to learn the same thing over and over again wastes the time of a race, but this is continually necessary with simians because of their disorder disorder a prophet would have sighed that is one of their handicaps one that they will never get rid of whatever it costs having so much curiosity makes a race scatterbrained yes he would have dismally continued it will be a queer mixture these simians will attain to vast stores of knowledge in time that is plain but after spending centuries groping to discover some art, in after centuries they will now and then find it's forgotten. How incredible it would seem on other planets to hear of lost arts. There is a strong streak of triviality in them, which you don't see in cats. They won't have fine enough characters to concentrate on the things of most weight. They will talk and think far more of trifles than of what is important. Even when they are reasonably civilized, this will be so. Great discoveries sometimes will fail to be heard of, because too much else is, and many will thus disappear, and these men will not know it. Footnote. We did rescue Mendel's from the dust heap, but perhaps it was an exception. Let me interrupt this lament to say a word for myself and my ancestors. It is easy to blame us as undiscriminating, but we are at least full of zest. And it's well to be interested, eagerly and intensely, in so many things, because there is often no knowing which may turn out important. We don't go around being interested on purpose, hoping to profit by it, but a profit may come. And anyway, it is generous of us not to be too self-absorbed. Other creatures go to the other extreme to an amazing extent. They are ridiculously oblivious to what is going on. The smallest ant in the garden will ignore the largest woman who visits it. She is a huge and most dangerous super-mammoth in relation to him, and her tread shakes the earth. But he has no time to be bothered, investigating such-like phenomena. He won't even get out of her way. He has his work to do, hang it. Birds and squirrels have less of this glorious independence of spirit. They watch you closely if you move around but not if you keep still. In other words, they pay no more attention than they can help, even to mammoths. We, of course, observe everything, or try to. We could spend our lives looking on. Consider our museums, for instance. They are a sign of our breed. It makes us smile to see birds, like the magpie, with a mania for this collecting. But only monkeyish beings could reverence museums as we do, and pile such heterogeneous trifles and quantities in them. Old furniture, eggshells, watches, bits of stone, and next door a menagerie. 
though our victory over all other animals is now eons old, we still bring home captives and exhibit them caged in our cities. And when a species dies out, or is crowded by us off the planet, we even collect the bones of the vanquished and show them like trophies. Curiosity is a valuable trait. It will make the simians learn many things. But the curiosity of a simian is as excessive as the toil of an ant. Each simian will wish to know more than his head can hold, let alone ever deal with. And those whose minds are active will wish to know everything going. It would stretch a god's skull to accomplish such an ambition, yet simians won't like to think it's beyond their powers. Even small tradesmen and clerks, no matter how thrifty, will be eager to buy costly encyclopedias, or books of all knowledge. Almost every simian family, even the dullest, will think it is due to themselves to keep all knowledge handy. Their idea of a liberal education will therefore be a great hodgepod only. He who narrows his field and digs deep will be viewed as an alien. If more than one man in a hundred should thus dare to concentrate, the ruinous effects of being a specialist will be sadly discussed. It may make a man exceptionally useful, they will have to admit, but still they will feel badly, and fear that civilization will suffer. One of their curious educational ideas, but a natural one, will be shown in the efforts they will make to learn more than one language. They will set their young to spending a decade or more of their lives in studying duplicate systems, whole systems, of chatter. Those who thus learn several different ways to say the same things will command much respect, and those who learn many will be looked on with awe by true simians. And persons without this accomplishment will be looked down on a little, and will actually feel quite apologetic about it themselves. Consider how enormously complicated a complete language must be, with its long and arbitrary vocabulary, its intricate system of sounds. The many forms that single words may take, especially if they are verbs. The rules of grammar, the sentence structure, the idioms, slang, and inflections. Heavens, what a genius for tongues these simians have. Footnote. You remember what Kipling says in the Jungle Books, about how disgusted the quiet animals were with the banderlog, because they were eternally chattering, would never keep still. Well, this is the good side of it. Where another race, after the most frightful discord and pains, might have slowly constructed one language before this earth grew cold, this race will create literally hundreds, each complete in itself, and many of them with quaint little systems of writing attached and the owners of this linguistic gift are so humble about it, they will marvel at bees, for their hives, and at beavers' mere dams. To return, however, to their fear of being too narrow, in going to the other extreme, they will run to incredible lengths. Every civilized simian, every day of his life, in addition to whatever older facts he has picked up, will wish to know all the news of all the world. If he felt any true concern to know it, this would be rather fine of him. It would imply such a close solidarity on the part of this genius. Such a close solidarity would seem crushing to others, but that is another matter. It won't be true concern, however. It will be merely a blind inherited instinct. He'll forget what he's read, the very next hour, or moment. Yet there he will faithfully sit, 
the ridiculous creature, reading of bombs in Spain or floods in Tibet, and especially insisting on all the news he can get of the kind our race loved when they scampered and fought in the forest, news that will stir his most primitive simian feelings, wars, accidents, love affairs, and family quarrels. To feed himself with this largely purposeless provender, he will pay thousands of simians to be reporters of such events day and night, and they will report them on such a voluminous scale as to smother or obscure more significant news altogether. Great printed sheets will be read by everyone every day, and even the laziest of this lazy race will not think it labor to perform this toil. They won't like to eat in the morning without their papers. Such slaves they will be to this droll greed for knowing. They won't even think it is droll. It is so in their blood. Their swollen desire for investigating everything about them, including especially other people's affairs, will be quenchless. Few will feel that they are really fully informed, and all will give much of each day all their lives to the news. Books, too, will be used to slake this unappeasable thirst. They will actually hold books in deep reverence. Books! <laughs> Bottled chatter! Things that some other simian has formerly said. They will dress them in costly bindings, keep them under glass, and take an affecting pride in the number they read. Libraries, storehouses of books, will dot their world. The destruction of one will be a crime against civilization, meaning again, a simian civilization. Well, it is an offense, to be sure, a barbaric offense. But so is defacing forever a beautiful landscape. And they won't even notice that sometimes. They won't shudder, anyway, the way they instinctively do at the loss of a library. All this is inevitable and natural, and they cannot help it. There even are ways one can justify excesses like this. If their hunger for books ever seems indiscriminate to them when they themselves stop to examine it, they will have their excuses. They will argue that some bits of knowledge they once had thought futile had later on come in most handy in unthought-of ways. True enough for their scientists, but not for their average men. They will simply be like obstinate housekeepers who clog up their homes, preserving odd boxes and wrappings and stray lengths of string, to exult if but one is of some trifling use ere they die. It will be in this spirit that simians will cherish their books and pile them up everywhere into great indiscriminate mounds, and these mounds will seem signs of culture and sagacity to them. Those who know many facts will feel wise. They will despise those who don't. They will even believe, many of them, that knowledge is power. <laughs> Unfortunate dupes of this saying will keep on reading, ambitiously, till they have stunned their native initiative and made their thoughts weak, and will then wonder dazedly what in the world is the matter, and why the great power they were expecting to gain fails to appear. Again, if they ever forget what they read, they'll be worried. Those who can forget, those with fresh eyes who have swept from their minds such facts as the exact month and day that their children were born, or the numbers on houses, or the names, the mere meaningless labels, of the people they meet, will be urged to go live in sanitariums or see memory doctors. By nature their itch is rather for knowing than for understanding or thinking. 
Some of them will learn to think, doubtless, and even to concentrate. But their eagerness to acquire those accomplishments will not be strong or insistent. Creatures whose mainspring is curiosity will enjoy the accumulating of facts far more than the pausing at times to reflect on those facts. If they do not reflect on them, of course they'll be slow to find out about the ideas and relationships lying behind them. And they will be curious about those ideas. So you would suppose they'd reflect. But deep thinking is painful. It means they must channel the spready rivers of their attention. That cannot be done without discipline and drills for the mind, and they will abhor doing that. Their minds will work better when they are left free to run off at tangents. Compare them in this with other species. Each has its own kind of strength. To be compelled to be so quick-minded as the simians would be torture to cows. Cows could dwell on one idea, week by week, without trying at all. But they'd all have brain fever in an hour at a simian tea. A super-cow people would revel in long, thoughtful books on abstruse philosophical subjects, and would sit up late reading them. Most of the ambitious simians who try it, out of pride, would go to sleep. The typical simian brain is supremely distractible, and it's really too jumpy by nature to endure much reflection. Therefore, many more of them will be well-informed than sagacious. This will result in their knowing most things far too soon, at too early a stage of civilization, to use them aright. They will learn to make valuable explosives at a stage in their growth, when they will use them not only in industries, but for killing brave men. They will devise ways to mine coal efficiently, in enormous amounts, at a stage when they won't know enough to conserve it, and will waste their few stores. They will use up a lot of it in a simian habit called travel. Footnote. Even in a wild state, the monkey is restless and does not live in lairs. This will consist in queer little hurried runs over the globe to see ten thousand things in the hope of thus filling their minds. Their minds will be full enough. Their intelligence will be active and keen. It will have a constant tendency, however, to outstrip their wisdom. Their intelligence will enable them to build great industrial systems before they have the wisdom and goodness to run them aright. They will form greater political empires than they will have strength to guide. They will endlessly quarrel about which is the best scheme of government, without stopping to realize that learning to govern comes first. The average simian will imagine he knows without learning. The natural result will be industrial and political wars. In a world of unmanageable structures, wild smashes must come. End of Part 4 Recording by Epistomalus Cupertino, California EPCOMM.com Slash School